Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Today on 30 Minutes, we'll feature remarks recorded at the Nuestras Raices tent at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books at a panel entitled The Two Pablos. Pablo Picasso and Pablo Neruda spoke Spanish, but their art joyfully breached many cultural and linguistic barriers. Celebrated authors Pam Munoz-Ryan, who penned the Esperanza Rising series, and Monica Brown, creator of Marisol McDonald, discussed the importance of sharing the lives of notable Latinos through biographical works with young readers worldwide. This panel is moderated by Elizabeth Soltero from the Pima County Public Library. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. The presentations you see here are brought to you by the Nuestras Raices, a Pima County Public Library program that builds community by celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. The following presentation and all those at the Pima County Public Library tent are made possible by the generous support of the Friends of the Pima County Public Library and the University of Arizona's Confluence Center for a Creative Inquiry. Our next presentation is the two Pablos. Pablo Picasso and Pablo Neruda spoke Spanish but their art joyfully breached many cultural and linguistic barriers. Celebrated authors Pam Munoz Ryan and Monica Brown discussed the importance of sharing the lives of notable Latinos through biographical works with young readers worldwide. My name is Elizabeth Soltero. I am a member of the Pima County Public Library's Nuestras Raices team, and I will be moderating this panel. And I first wanted to share some words about our wonderful authors that I'm so honored to get to stand next to and moderate our session. I'm first going to introduce Monica Brown. Monica Brown is the author of many award-winning books for children, including Pablo Neruda, Poet of the People, winner of the Americas Award for Children's Literature, and the Orbis Pictus Honor for Outstanding Nonfiction, and Waiting for Biblioburo, that's part of Random House, a Christopher Award winner, her picture book, Marisol McDonald Doesn't Match, is the winner of the Texas Star Book Award, the International Latino Book Award, a Pura Belpe Honor for Illustration. Marisol McDonald and the Clash Bash, Marisol McDonald y la Fiesta Sin Igual, the second book is the Marisol series, was published in September 2013. Monica Brown is also a professor of English at Northern Arizona University, specializing in U.S. Latino literature and multicultural literature. And our other author, Pam Munoz Ryan, has written over 30 books for young people, from picture books for the very young to young adult novels, including the award-winning Esperanza Rising, Becoming Naomi Leon, Writing Freedom, Paint the Wind, and The Dreamer in her newest novel, Echo. She is a National Education Association's author recipient of the Civil and Human Rights Award, the Virginia Hamilton Award for Multicultural Literature, and is twice the recipient of the Willa Cather Literary Award for Writing. She was born and raised in Bakersfield, California, received her bachelor's and master's degree at San Diego State University, and now lives in North San Diego County with her family. And to jump off our presentation, we're going to ask both um, Monica and Pam to share and introduce their stories of the two Pablos. So they're going to share their presentations and read passages, and then we'll move into some questions. So at this time, if I can welcome Pam to start. 
Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for coming. For me, my road to the Dreamer was a was kind of a peculiar one. I had been invited by the Ministry of Education in Chile to come and speak at the American School in Chile. And before I went, I sort of brushed up on Neruda and Mistral and Isabel Allende. I was going to Chile. I was going to be there for a while. And I wanted to refill myself up with stories of, about the country and the, the authors who come from the area. And I had read Neruda when I was in high school and always sort of had a romantic affection for his poetry, but I wasn't certainly obsessed with him or nor did I ever suspect that I would write about him. So I went to Chile and while I was there, I went to his several of his homes and I actually began doing research there. I began imagining that I might I don't know, maybe write a nonfiction book about him. I really wasn't sure. I was just feeling like it was very important that I keep track of my trip and make notes and speak to people. And when I got home, I was literally a few days after I arrived home, I was at a conference and I was sitting with John Muth, the illustrator. And John said, have you ever heard the story of the hole in the fence? I was talking about Neruda and I told him no. So he told me about the hole in the fence, the story about the hole in the fence, and then I went home and looked it up. It's Neruda's essay, I think, believe the title is called The Gift. And I became seduced by this story. The childless and friendless Neftali was playing in a backyard, and back by the corner of the fence there was a hole. And he sensed that someone was on the other side. And so when he got closer, a little hand darted through the fence and pushed a toy sheep through the opening. It was all matted, it at one time had wheels, but one wheel was on and the rest were off. And he was so touched by this gesture that he ran back in the house and got one of his pine cones that he had saved from, from the Chilean forest, and he ran back out and pushed that pine cone through the hole in the fence to this unknown child. He never knew who passed him the sheep or to whom he passed the pine cone. So his entire life, the sheep stayed with him and even somewhere in his 20s, he lost the sheep in a house fire. But wherever he went all of his life, he looked in toy store windows for a sheep exactly like the one he'd had as a child. He wrote a beautiful essay called The Gift about this innocent moment of this exchange. And he said it was an example of how we are all connected, how all humanity is connected. And he felt like this innocent exchange had given his poetry light. Well, that story, after I read it, his own words. I was just entirely smitten with the idea and I thought maybe I would just write a picture book called A Hole in the Fence. But one thing led to another and I began researching and the Ministry of Education, I was still in touch with them. They provided me with many articles, many in the original Spanish that I had translated and anyway one thing led to another and it became The Dreamer illustrated by Peter Cease. Hello everyone, bienvenidos, buenas tardes. I am Monica Brown and it's so funny, the myriad ways we're connected. In May, I'm going to the American School in Chile. Oh, nice. I love it. <laughs> um, it's really an honor to be here representing Nuestras Raices. And among all of you, and as I sit here, I keep recognizing people that I in the audience. So that's kind of its own little bit of grace, too, that I haven't seen for years. Even though I'm a picture book author, I'm going to start by reading a part of my favorite Neruda poem, Sonnet 17, and I'm only going to read the very beginning and the very end. These are Neruda's words because I'm also a teacher, I'm a literature professor, and it's through his poems that were my way in. And so if you know about my nonfiction books, a lot of them are about writers. 
because I've sort of went in and studied and was a declared literature major and I just have been surrounded and working with books, creating books ever since. So this is Sonnet 17. I do not love you as if you were salt rose or topaz, or the arrow of carnations the fire shoots off. I love you as certain dark things are to be loved, in secret between the shadow and the soul. I love you without knowing how or when or from where. I love you straightforwardly without complexities or pride. So I love you because I know no other way than this where I does not exist, nor you so close that your hand on my chest is my hand, so close that your eyes close as I fall asleep. You might wonder what about the person, the poet that wrote those lines would inspire me to think this would be a good book for children. (laughs) But in fact, sometimes for me, this is probably the book that I wrote in a way it just came out of me it was soon after my my mother died and I was working on two biographies and it was very interesting because my way of researching is to yes read other biographies but also to immerse myself in the figure that I'm writing about if it's nonfiction and so that's what I did I believe I tried to read every single poem that Pablo Neruda ever wrote And so the first line of this book, which I'm going to share with you, I'll share a couple lines, came out just so naturally because I wanted to somehow, you know, when I write about Tito Puente, there's a line that's like, tum tika tak tik, tum tik, tom tom, and Celia's, you know, there's so many things. And in this moment of tumultuousness in my mind, I started the book like this. Once there was a little boy named Neftali who loved wild things wildly and quiet things quietly. From the moment he could talk, Neftali surrounded himself with words that whirled and swirled just like the river that ran near his home in Chile. And that was the first image that I had. Um, Now, I can tell you that Neruda is my favorite poet, and I think he's one of the greatest poets that ever wrote and lived. And he did write about light and dark and love and sorrow and passion, but he also gave such a unique insight and beauty when he wrote about the very simplest of things. So in my preparation, I came across a poem like this, and it led me further into the book. And this is the last poem I'm going to read. This is from his Ode to Things. By the way, I have a book on Pablo Picasso, but you know I'm a literalist. So two Pablos, and I know that Pam Munoz Ryan wrote this brilliant book on Pablo Neruda. So even though I can read and I read Pablo Picasso, in my mind as I prepared for this talk, it was Pablo Neruda, Neruda. So that's what you're getting today. But we can talk about Picasso too. So here's his lines from his famous poem, An Ode to Things. And what I like about it is it reminds me how for children, things, objects can be endlessly fascinating. I have a new niece who's one year old and the littlest thing can inspire wonder. So this is Neruda again. I love all things, not because they are passionate or sweet smelling, but because, I don't know, because this ocean is yours and mine, these buttons and wheels and little forgotten treasures fans upon whose feathers love has scattered its blossoms, glasses, knives, and scissors all bear the trace of someone's fingers 
on their handle or surface, the trace of a distant hand lost in the depths of forgetfulness. And he wrote about lights and darks, and he loved opposites, and he wrote about fall. And so let me give you an example of something else. So let's see. Pablo wrote poems about the things he loved, things made by his artist friends, things found at the marketplace, the things he saw in nature. And this is where I thought, what a wonderful, fascinating illustration. He wrote about scissors and thimbles and chairs and rings. He wrote about buttons and feathers and shoes and hats. He wrote about velvet cloth, the color of the sea. Pablo loved opposites, so he wrote about fire and rain and spring and fall. And in the streets with his friends, Pablo saw joy and sadness, so he wrote about both. He loved stones. Pablo loved the stones of Chile. He wrote about stones rolled by waves onto the beach and stones polished by sand and salt. He wrote about stones tumbling down the mountaintops and stones in the hands of the stonecutters. If we're talking about origins, let me take a moment and say that perhaps the origins of this book don't just begin with Pablo's words. In my life, perhaps they begin a lot earlier with me, the mestiza daughter of a North American father and a South American mother who has Jewish, Italian, Scottish, Amerindian heritage, who grew up to be a writer. Perhaps it's the fact that my mother born in Piura, Peru, in northern Peru, was an artist. Perhaps it was that her mother, Esther Valdivieso, was not an artist, but after she died, my mom was only 11, my mom found little tiny paintings, paintings this big, which I have in my bedroom, that she had done, like on coasters that you, that you paint on, that you put drinks on top of. And so that is what brought me to Pablo Neruda. Why am I a teacher? It was through a friend of Pablo Neruda's. I read 100 Years of Solitude my senior year of high school, and I was, you know, I had this huge family in Peru. My mom was one of nine um, children, and I finally saw in writing something that attempted to capture the complexity of my family's, family's experience. I graduated from college. Like Gabito, I wanted to go off and be a journalist, and I moved to Mexico, and I worked as a journalist. Then I came back and taught, and wrote my first picture book about a woman named Gabriela Mistral, who was a South American woman, a single mother, a woman who shaped Mexico, education in Mexico and Latin America. And guess what? Gabriela Mistral had a, an amazing student in Chile whose life she changed, and that student's name was Pablo Neruda. And so we are all connected, and that is part of what brought me to Neruda and the honoring of these relationships between people and the one degree of separation sometimes between Latinidad. So this is Gabriela Mistral who championed Pablo Neruda. The other thing I wanted to say is about a serious aspect of his life. We've talked about love and passion and joy and sorrow, but he was also a political voice, an active voice. He spoke out in favor of laborers and put his own life at risk. In fact, he had to escape through the mountains. So I just want to share those lines that I wrote because you can write about really difficult things, even in picture books, but you can't do it without hope. So when Pablo saw the coal miners working in dangerous jobs for little money, he was angry. And when he saw that they were cold and hungry and sick, he decided to share their story. 
He joined those who fought for justice and wrote poems to honor all the workers who struggled for freedom. And even when his poems made leaders angry, he would not be silenced because he was a poet of the people. When soldiers came to get him, Pablo hid in the homes of friends and then escaped on a horse over the mountains of Chile. Pablo Neruda was brave. He wasn't afraid to share the story of Chile with the world. Pablo's voice was heard across nations and oceans. From his poems grew flowers of hope and dreams of peace. And that's all I wanted to share. So many of my books are funny or they're about music and they're joyful, but this is a book about a poet and I hope that I honored him with the poetry of language. Thank you. You are listening to a panel entitled The Two Pablos from the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. In sharing these notable Latinos, they have inspiring stories with your books for children and young adult. Do you also have other intended audiences that you're sharing these stories for? Um, I well, I don't think I when I'm writing the book, I don't really in my mind think I'm limiting limiting it to a particular age group. I, I think it it translates. It's used in fifth grade all the way up through ninth. But I think adults. I've received a lot of letters from adults as well. I, is, is that what the question is? Like, do we do my determining um, when I'm writing? I'm not not determining that. Fortunately, I have a wonderful publisher who doesn't limit me to, you know, this needs to be at a certain level or um, certain words. Um, I have permission to to write it as I kind of feel like it needs to be written. So for me, um, that's the approach I take. And um, mine grew into, um, grew into this novel. Um, like I said, I thought I was going to write a very simple picture book based on the whole, the whole, a hole in a fence. And it, it grew it. Sometimes the book dictates to me. So yeah, well, I actually, I was just on a panel earlier with two picture book writers, and they were saying they don't write for a particular audience and I, when they're doing it, but I actually do. I really write thinking about children. I try to anyways. But the beauty of bilingual books especially is it can be a multi-generational experience. So my grandmother in Peru did not speak a word of English, my mother spoke Spanish as a first language, English as a second. I speak English as a first, Spanish as a second. A grandmother and a grandchild can, you know, have a literacy experience side by side on the page. So I think that's wonderful. And when I write about like a literary figure, you know, like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, at first I thought, how can I write this? How can I introduce magical realism to children? You know, that's a con complex genre construct and then I thought they know understand it way better than adults they know that magic and what's real can exist side by side day by day and so I didn't write it for adults I wrote lines like can you imagine um, flying on a magic carpet can you imagine a trail of yellow butterflies can you imagine uh, the most beautiful woman in the world and they can do that. And the parents might know, oh, that's from 100 Years of Solitude. Oh, this is from, um, you know, this, this story about a journalist lost at sea. This is from this book. Oh, can you, I have another uh, image in here that's, can you imagine uh, a man with enormous wings falling from the sky? So they can have the pleasure of knowing and loving their author. And children can just have the pleasure of knowing things like that Gabriel Garcia Marquez 
had a parrot that was called Lorenzo the Magnificent in his house growing up. See, my voice is so loud it breaks microphones. <laughs> I, I thank you, and I asked that question also wanting to share, and as many of you have gotten to read your guys' wonderful books, and me as an adult and reading Esperanza Rising and getting to reconnect with wonderful, wonderful books has introduced many other worlds and discussions for me and also has reaffirmed connections in my growing up. So I was just always curious, you know, how and who the intended audience is um, because I think it's powerful for all ages and I thank you for that. You know what, the interesting thing about Neruda too is he had a very childlike quality. He wrote the book of questions like just many of the months before he died. So there were many things, I mean, he had a very serious side and wrote a lot of political articles and and you know championed many causes, the, co the common man, but there was another part of him that was very childlike, and he wrote these whimsical poems about socks and bicycles, and 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 so there was this kind of appeal to to um, that whimsy, and so that w in the book, like I tried to channel the the whole premise of questions. The questions in the book aren't his questions because they didn't exactly fit. So I created questions. They were open-ended questions, and it's really interesting to me. Children never ask me the answers to the questions. Adults ask me the answers to the questions. That's what I think I loved about him especially, too, is that this, this wide appeal that he had for people of all ages. Considering all of your books, which character do you identify with the most and why? <laughs> I didn't know I was in one of my books. I was at a school some years ago, and after I was talking about my characters in Esperanza Rising, a little boy raised his hand and he sort of studied me and he st was shaking his head and he said, oh, so you're Isabel in Esperanza Rising. And I said, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Isabel. I'm not in Esperanza Rising. I'm not any of the characters. So it kind of stayed in my mind and I started thinking about Isabel and what she was like, what her character was like. You know, just her personality and even in some ways what she looked like. And I'm, I went home and I called my mother and I said, mommy, do you think I'm any of the characters in Esperanza Rising? She said, well, well, you're, you're Isabel. So I didn't think that I was, that I identified. <laughs> but some, you know, so much of what we do is on a subconscious level. And so um, I sometimes don't think we really realize it until somebody points it out to us. Well, I definitely know which, uh, which character is me in the sense that uh, I have a book called Marisol McDonald Doesn't Match. And you might guess it might be inspired by Monica Brown. <laughs> and it was the hardest book I ever had to get published because it was considered edgy because I talked about things like race, you know, like who is teased and who looks in families that are multiracial, multiethnic. And I wanted to write a little nonconformist character that didn't fit into any boxes, but that was not the way we think about people from the, the dialogue around people that are of multiple ethnicities is like they're half or quarter. And I reject <laughs> that. That's like the colonizer's language. I think we have to not think of any human being as a fraction. Like, just forget <laughs> it. I think we all, to quote Walt Whitman, contain multitudes. So I wanted to affirm that identity. Like, you're not half this and half that, you're whole just the way you are. And so I wrote that picture book and it was very, it got rejected so many places and it even was 
slated to come out with a big, very fancy publisher, and we, I went back and forth so much, and it was so changed from what I wanted, that I said, never mind, I'll give you something else. And it finally came out, and so that's definitely my, my most autobiographical book. And then I would have to say I have a new fictional chapter book series coming out. I have the advanced review copies right here. It's called Lola Levine is Not Mean, and it's not so much about me, but it's about my two children and my experiences of being a mom to girls. And it was actually inspired by my children's middle school. Both of my kids are big science and math, you know, amazingly having two English teachers for parents, math kids. For my daughter Isabella's, she's named after my mom, Isabel Maria, their school decided to cancel the honors science class. And I was like, what happened? You've always had this. And, and the head of the science department told me, he said, well, this year it would be all, almost all girls. And that wouldn't be good if it was all girls. That just didn't seem fair. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then I thought about what do we do with girls that are, why is it that girls that are, you know, ambitious are considered bossy, for example? And I have my other daughter, Juliana, I have a daughter who's a soccer player. I mean, she is a real soccer player. I'm a mom, she has had two broken wrists. That beautiful girl right there has had two broken wrists, a chipped tooth, a concussion, I've had to deal with all this. So I decided, what if there was a little girl named Lola who loved playing soccer, but she accidentally hurt a boy, and then she gets called Mean Mean Lola Levine. And I decided that I wanted to write about that generation and what I've witnessed as a mother to girls. So yes, I draw on my poor family. And you know, in the third book, Lola Levine and the Ballet Dream, she has a new friend that dresses all in pink and is a ballerina. And, because she has only friends with boys, and at first she thinks they have nothing in common, but it turns out ballerinas are pretty tough. And of course, my other daughter's a ballerina, so, so yeah, very autobiographical. <laughs> at least the fiction, absolutely not with the, with the nonfiction. Pam, do you have some projects you're working on, new books? Well, I just finished Echo. It's just published two weeks ago, so I'm really happy about that. It took six years. The last book that published was The Dreamer, but I, this, because it's illustrated, in part, it, I finished it a year before it came out, so I'm really pleased that its echo is out in the world. And I do sort of identify with the, the, third, the third story in the book has a young girl named Ivy Maria, and the book is, it's the, there's a lot of music in the book, and a harmonica, magic harmonica. I do tend to identify with the Mexican-American girl in the third story, because when I was in middle school, Music and writing and books sort of saved my life during a very awkward, awkward time. But I'm very excited about that, and I'll start another novel at the end of this year. Well, on behalf of the Pima County Public Library and Nuestras Raices Committee, I just want to thank you both, Pam and Monica Brown, for, for being here and for writing and sharing inspirational stories, because I know as a librarian and many of us here, we share your books in our family literacy program. It's exciting to bring Esperanza Rising to the, the youth that I can connect with. And so I just thank you for all your work and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank, thank you yeah. everyone for joining us. You've been listening to remarks recorded at the Nuestras Raices tent at the 2015 
Tucson Festival of Books at a panel entitled The Two Pablos. Today's guests were celebrated authors Pam Munoz-Ryan, who penned the Esperanza Rising series, and Monica Brown, creator of Marcel McDonald. This panel was moderated by Elizabeth Saltero from the Pima County Public Library. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shager.